Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Here it comes. Last stone, 10th end. Got to back it out. As hard as they can. Here we go. I don't think so. No. That'll be a measure to go an extra end. So it's red. It is red, and that is game. On a measurement, Sweden defeats Canada. Swedes, they go to 2-1. and one. Canada falls to 1-2. and two. Gushu with plenty of time. He will settle in. Can he pick that out and force an extra? He can win. That will clip the back yellow, you think? Here it is, final stone, 10th end. Galant on the sweep. Does he get it? Flies it by, and the Swedes win it. What a freeze. Buzzer beater. You know, Jennifer Jones had a shot today to beat Sweden. Now Brad Gushu had a shot today to beat Sweden, and if you're a Canada curling fan, not happy with either result. Hi again, everybody. It's Jungle Jim coming out with another episode of Inside Curling Special Daily Draw, where we bring you up to date on everything that's going on at the games in Beijing. Uh, the clip you heard at the top, Double Trouble, okay, is what we've named it, where Sweden knocked off Canada in both the men's and women's. So, yikes, yikes, here we go. Anyway, we're going to talk about that and what's coming up. And we'll be with you for the rest of the games right through till the end of next week. Coolbet is a proud sponsor of curling and, frankly, all things ice related. The logo is a polar bear, after all. If you love sports, make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the Coolbet community. So, uh, as you may have noticed, uh, or you will shortly, we've lost Warren, Kevin, for a day. He needed uh, some time to go, you know, shut his eyes for at least 10 minutes extra. <laughs> Anyway, if you've been listening to our podcast, which has been up for a while, Kevin, I'm not sure if there's a guy, speaking of Warren, or anybody who could ever take Warren on when it comes to curling. I mean, he's the great, he's the great defender of the game. He follows all, all of our stuff on Facebook and the Facebook page. He responds to it. He looks after all the emails. He plans the show. Keeps everybody honest, Kev, that's for sure, you know, including Curling Canada and WCF. And, uh, and he watches a bunch of games. So safe to say, Kevin, Warren is into curling. <laughs> That's safe to say, Jimmy. That might be the understatement of the year. Thanks a lot for all that Warren is doing for the show, and uh, he'll be back again tomorrow. So his replacement, uh, if he's hard to replace, uh, maybe this maybe this young lady can, uh, can replace him. So you better be careful if you take a day off, Kev. When we bring people in, you might get replaced full time. We're going to say hi to Emma Miskew. Hi, Emma. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Uh, of course, you're curl with Rachel Holman's team, uh, but I'm just running down your stats. Three-time Scotty's champion, world champion, Olympian, 11 Grand Slams, or 12. I think it's 12 Grand Slams. You've got some jam. Congratulations on a great career. You just finished up at the Scotties. Uh, didn't go the way you wanted it to. Give us your little summary of the national championship. Uh, it was essentially my skipping debut. It was very different. <laughs> we had a alternate playing. Um, as everyone knows, Rachel wasn't able to play with us. So it was 
very different given Rachel and I have been playing together since we were 11 years old. I haven't had a ton of skipping experience. So I wanted um, the experience. I thought it would be best uh, that I move up and at least call our strategy. I know how Sarah and Joe throw the rock. I just, I thought it would be easier that way. And we were close. There were a few games that could have gone either way and they just didn't go our way. And um, I rubbed a couple of guards that were huge point swings, like just ticked them. So it really could have been a different Scotties for us, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I learned a lot seeing the game from a different perspective, which I have only seen the game from a third's perspective for so long. And I, I just was able to see it in a different way. And I thought it was really beneficial. Was there any any little part of you, Emma, any little part of you when um, it was announced that Rachel was going to go to the Olympics that you were going, ah, darn, I wanted her to stay for the Scotties. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because I really wanted the best for her and John and I wanted them. I thought that they were the best possible representatives that could go to the Olympics. They've had a lot of success together in mixed doubles. And obviously John's had success with Caitlin at the last Olympics. And I wanted them to be selected. I just wish it didn't conflict. It was unfortunate because it was just us that had that issue. Um, John gets to come home and still go to the Briar with his team. So it was unfortunate that it had to conflict. Part of me was like nervous. I I've never been in this situation before. And we're going to a national championship. My skipping debut is at a national championship, but mm-hmm. it, it really isn't overall like winning and losing in that situation. We would have liked to do a little bit better, but it's not the end of the world. And it was a great learning experience. So uh, has there been any time in, in your career when you look back, uh, you guys um, are, are rare in the sense that you've been together for so long. I think you just mentioned you've been together with Rachel since you were 11. A lot of times when we watch curling teams year after year, they break up, you know, thirds go to try and skip other teams and, you know, other people come and go on teams. But you guys have managed to somehow stay together through all this. Through your whole career, was there ever a time that you did consider uh, that maybe you would like to skip a team before before this happened? This is a special year with the Olympics. Like I say, any time where you thought, yeah, I'd like to maybe skip my own team. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> when you play with Rachel Holman, you're pretty happy about that. I okay. really do love sweeping too. I like being a part of the front end shots and caddying them. And I like sweeping and I was quite cold the whole time. So I, <laughs> I didn't know how many layers I should be wearing. So no, not really. I think there's a lot of people who cut out for skipping and love skipping. And I, I really just love playing third. So like I said, it was a really good opportunity for me to see the game from a different lens almost. And it's not the same at third a lot of my shots are setup shots and at skip, you don't really have your own setup shots. You have to make them. And when I take to guard, I'm like, well, at third, that would have been a, a decent miss, but at skip that cost us three points or whatever. Yeah. 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 Right. That was a hard kind of pill to swallow a couple of times, but that's the name of the game. Uh, Kev. Well, yeah, just before we get started, thanks a lot, Emma, for stepping in for, uh, for Warren. I'm wondering now, when you sit and watch TV, if there's one TV on one side of the room and a TV on the other side of the room, are you able to watch them both at the same time, like Warren, and have your eyes go <laughs> out and back and up and down and in, in, in different ways? Kind of his nickname now is, is the, is the lizard wizard. Yeah. So, because he's been looking at so many screens, can you do that? Um, I would say he's probably 
better at that than I am, but um, <laughs> I can multitask, but I feel like I lose out on a lot of information that way. I just want to have one question for you and then we'll get, we'll get going into the uh, men's and women's Olympics and that's the mixed doubles. Obviously, John and Rachel, you know, we're all cheering for them, of course, but we had Italy win. Stefania, Constantini, and Amish Mojaner. And uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, the impact of Italy winning a gold medal in curling to to curling worldwide. I was very impressed watching them. They obviously were playing amazing. And I think it's great for the sport to see a country like Italy go and win a gold medal. Obviously, I was crushed for Rachel and John. I felt sick for them losing on a measure that close that nobody wants to watch their uh, lifelong teammate go through that but if they weren't going to win a country like italy just for the sport to win uh, i think is a really good thing and i'd asked kevin the other day uh, you've been you've been to the scotties and won it uh three times and and you you're an olympian and world champion and i'd ask kevin is it tougher to win a, a briar or or an olympics and kevin said it's not even close that it's way tougher to win the olympics mm-hmm. what do you say emma uh, and and the big difference between say w- winning a scotties and going to the olympics for one i mean our the competition in canada is also exceptional there's a ton of great teams and depth here but the world level now the olympic level a lot of these countries that didn't used to have a team that could go and win the Olympics now do. When we were looking at the fields beforehand, it was like, wow, eight teams could win this thing. And it seems like it just gets harder and harder every year. And I think that the a lot of these countries have put a lot of money into developing their programs and they have great coaches and they fund one, maybe two teams versus Canada can't do that because there's so much depth here. So I think going to those events and then on top of that, having wearing that maple leaf and having your whole country have the expectation that you should be winning puts extra pressure on our Canadian athletes. I hope that at some point that expectation goes away and it becomes more of an excitement and just cheering for those teams instead of everyone is thinking that they're disappointed in their results, but it's not automatic. It's not an auto win. It's very hard and wins should be celebrated, not expected. Uh, great answer. Uh, okay, uh, let's get rolling here, Kev. Uh, we do a review of what happened the day before in curling and uh, there was a few draws, Kev. Uh, you're going to give us a rundown of the first couple of draws yesterday. So it was played at 8 o'clock Eastern last night, and that was the women's draw number four. Canada against Sweden was on sheet A, and that's the game that we called, actually, uh, on NBC. And quite a game, <laughs> actually. Team Sweden uh, just played tremendous. Anna Hasselborg actually struggled a little bit. Again, she's been struggling some here. But the rest of her team have been absolutely fantastic. And that's what happened in this one. A big three-ender in the fifth. You know, I love the call. So Anna Hasselborg was looking at playing a split on her first one and not going around the center guard. And the problem with that is even if you make a good split, uh, a hit and roll would have been possible for Jennifer Jones or, or maybe coming around the center herself or whatever. But if you go around the center first and bury a half, this is in the fifth end. So even if a blank, you, you carry the hammer into the even ends, which is great too. So you come around, show a good half of the rock and maybe you know tease Jennifer into trying a, a bump. And if she misses, now you've got the split for three. And that's exactly how Hasselborg went about it. 
Jennifer did hit the rock in the house, didn't quite get it out, rolled just barely out of the house and gave Anna the split chance and she made it perfectly for a big three and five. And that really turned the game around and Sweden ended up winning seven, six. So a great strategic move likely won that game for Sweden. On sheet B, Bravo, it was Korea taking on the ROC. Korea, they're really stepping up their game. Started out a little bit Maybe not quite on the top of their game, but boy, they're coming around now. Deuce in three, a steal in four, and a steal of two and five to go on to a pretty easy win of nine to five. There was no game on sheet. Charlie, this is eight o'clock Eastern. It's the morning game over in Beijing. So not all four sheets going. Sheet Delta, Japan taking on Denmark. And Denmark probably should have won this game. They're two up going home. Played great all the way through. Ended up giving up a three-ender to lose eight-seven. So that, that was too bad for the Denmark team. And then we get into men's draw number five. On sheet A on this one is Team China against Italy. And it was a game of threes. China picked up three in the third end, three in the fifth end, and three in the eighth end. And anytime your field goal kicker is that sharp, you're going to win curling games. Ended up being 12-9. On sheet B, this is one, so I was doing a little bit of the Warren Lizard thing while we were calling the U.S.-Norway game. I actually had a second monitor on the Canada-Sweden game, and uh, it was actually a pretty good game, but for the most part, Canada was in trouble. Sweden outplayed them, and uh, a big steal in the fourth to go up 2 nothing. That was sort of the big turning point. Uh, Canada did get a deuce back in five, but then gave the deuce right back in six, and then a steal in the seventh end, which uh, put Sweden in, in front, and they stayed in front. 7-4 final in that one. A really good game, but but Sweden did outplay Canada in that one. On sheet uh, Charlie, it was Denmark taking on the Swiss, and the Swiss were just overpowering, getting deuces in one, three, and five. And Jim, we've talked about the math before. You get two and you force the other team to one, you're going to do good. It's just simple yeah, you're math. Doubling up. Yeah. Doubling up every time. Exactly. Swiss win eight to six. And then the game we called USA Norway. I really thought the US would win that one, but they just didn't come out with their best game. And uh, Tolger Norgard, the, I think he's 47 now. Fantastic player shot, I, th- I believe, in the mid 90s. Chris Plies was in the, in the mid 70s. So a 20% difference at third is just too much to overcome but the one shot a crazy shot an intern angle tick triple an angle raised tick triple uh to get himself at least an opening and then on his last one he he makes an angle raise but it was really thin hit maybe an inch of the outside of the ang- of the guard angled it in and the rock just spun out or it would have been for three and john after says one of the best circus skipper deuces in his career he said that on the ice. So a crazy deuce that he picked up in the seventh end to get them close. But in the end, they couldn't win the game. Lost 7-6 to Norway, which is a huge loss for the U.S. because they fall right into Canada next. Uh, right on. There's a few other games in the uh, the third draw of the day yesterday. But Emma, we're going to put you to work. Great Britain versus the U.S. in the women's draw. Break it down for us, Emma. Yeah, it started off in the first end. Uh, the U.S. is putting some pressure on Great Britain and... Um, I think they could have put the pressure on a lot more. There was just a heavy draw and then a couple great shots from Great Britain. And all of a sudden it's a deuce. And it came out of kind of nowhere as the end was going. Um, and then it was all Great Britain from there. And the U.S. had a hard time getting anything going. 
Um, there was a lot of, I think some of the issues were just weight control related, um, heavy or light draws, not putting their jaws in great spots. Uh, it looks like that's, it seems very important there. If you have your jaw weight, you can really put the pressure on the other team. But if they're not going where you want them to go, it really takes the pressure off. So I, Great Britain didn't have to do anything overly fancy. They just were steady through and they picked up a, a big score <laughs> late in the game to end it. So it didn't seem like the U.S. really had a sniff in this game. It was it was all Great Britain and they played quite well. Well done, Emma. Yeah, you you may, you may talk your way into a job here. Okay. <laughs> there were three other games in that draw. Russia, Japan, uh, Denmark, Sweden, and Sweden, China. I don't have the actual like scores, but I know that Japan had a big comeback to beat uh, the Russian Olympic Committee and Switzerland beat Denmark. They were one up coming home with Alina made a great shot on her first to kind of seal the deal there. They had an open hit on their last one. And China actually beat Sweden. They were three up coming home. And it looks like they made a couple great shots throughout the game. And Sweden wasn't wasn't quite doing what they were doing yesterday in their game against Canada. So China ended up pulling that one out. Okay, Kev, through all that, uh, let's look at the standings. I, th- I thought Canada would be whistling through. They started so well, uh, but that's that's a few draws ago now. So bring us up to date, Kev. Okay, well, let's start with the men's then. Um, and Sweden just playing outstanding lead to skip at 4-0. and Definitely the, the class of the field right now. Switzerland, after starting out maybe a little bit slow to start, now at 3-1, and looking good. Great Britain at two and one. So they've only played three games so far. They're at two and one. Canada, USA, ROC, China, and Norway. So pretty much the rest of the field is at two and two. So we have a real log jam in the middle. Italy at 0 and 3 and Denmark at 0 and 4. So one more loss by Italy and they're probably gone. Once you get your fourth loss, you're in real trouble in a nine game round robin. So that's that's kind of the field there. You got to kind of keep an eye on the men's being that most of the fields at two and two. So things are going to switch pretty quickly. On the women's side, same thing. Right now, the team is playing very very well. That's Switzerland at four and zero. Oh. We have two teams at three and one, and that's Japan and USA. And uh, then you got Korea who started out a little bit slow, but they're picking up their game. They're at two and one. A couple of Teams at two and two, that's Sweden and Great Britain. Canada at one and two. Denmark one and three. China one and three. And Russia 0 oh and four. So Denmark and China are on the cusp. They As soon as they lose another one, then they're cliffhanging. In the next couple of days, I think you're going to see the separation of the field and finding out who gets their game together, gets some momentum going their way, and then who stumbles and ends up going down. But I'll tell you what, especially on the women's side, you, anybody could beat anybody in this field. I n- never would have dreamt that uh, ROC would be at 0-4. I really didn't. They're such a strong team. They will win some games in this Olympics, and it's just a matter of, of who they end up beating. Uh, Emma, what's it like uh, playing in these big spiels? You know, sometimes you have a day off. Other times you got to play two games. What, what's, your, what's your preference when, when they try and schedule all these games in a big round robin? Our preference is always to not have a full day off. I think it's really hard to fill a day and you're, if the ice changes at all, you're missing out on that information when everybody else is out there. You get to practice. It's just not the same. Usually uh, you see a lot more in a full 10 end game. 
if there's an option between two game days or day off, we would rather have our buy be on a day where we have two games as opposed to on the day where there's just one game scheduled. But it's just luck of the draw. That's we it's happened to us before and you just make do, but uh, it's always nicer to to play every day. Yeah, there you go. Uh, very good. So Kev, uh, you're going to give us a round. I don't have Warren's results in front of us, but up to now, uh, if you've been going to CoolBet and laying down some bets, if they've been listening to you guys, Kevin, people would be making a lot of money, okay? They'd be making lots of money. So how, how did you guys do yesterday, Kev? It's so funny that you say that, Jim. So yes, had they have listened to us for for the days up until <laughs> yesterday, they, they would have been doing oh, very no. well. But yesterday, I've got Warren's picks yep. here too. So uh, women's games. Sweden, Canada, I picked Sweden, Warren picked Canada, Sweden won. So I was right on that one. Korea against ROC, we both picked Korea, and Korea won, so good. And Japan against Denmark, so I was three for three. First draw. That a boy. It changes after that. And the men's draw, Italy against China, I picked Italy, and uh, China won. So, and but Warren picked China. Canada, Sweden, I picked Canada, Warren picked Canada, Sweden won. So I lost that one too. Denmark, Swiss, well, the Swiss won. That was a pretty easy pick. USA, Norway, we both picked USA. Norway won. And in the women's draw, ROC against Japan, Japan won. Uh, Denmark, Swiss, Swiss won. Those are pretty easy ones to pick. Great Britain, USA in the women's. Great Britain won. We both got it wrong. Sweden, China, we both picked Sweden. China won. So in the end, Warren and I battling it out. We both ended up six wins, five losses yesterday. So not a great day at the at the betting office for us. But you're right. Up until that draw, we had a terrific record going, but uh, got took it on the chin a little bit. Well, you're fired. You're fired. Uh, and Emma, Emma can. We're, we're going to get Emma's picks for the upcoming draws. Yeah. Well, that's too bad, Kev. You guys were rolling. That's going to cost me some cash. Let's look at a couple of things here, Emma. We want you to comment on it. And also, Kevin, one of the things that I I wasn't used to at all was these technical timeouts uh, that were happening. Apparently, the lights, Kev, weren't working on the stones. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but what was that all about? Well, we definitely have experienced. I'm sure Emma has too. Over the years, the electronic handles. When when you tip over the handle to clean it, that resets the handle. And the problem is when it goes back down, there, there, you should see the lights flashing. But the, for some reason here, they're not. So what the players have to do is just make sure the officials know. Because when you slide out to throw, the green lights won't come on. But giving a technical timeout, because they're having lots of trouble with the handles, as long as you let the official know, then you, you, get, you can throw your rock. Uh, but you have to let them know. So athletes are creatures of habit. You want to go down the sheet in a certain manner, clean off your slider, whatever you do in a certain manner, get in the hack and do it the same every single time, clean the rock off the same way, clean the ice, clean this, clean that, do this, do that, always the same. The problem is when you flip the rock over, put it back down, it's not working properly. Now it gets you out of your rhythm. Now you've got to cross your arms for a technical timeout. The official makes their way out, takes a few seconds. They say, okay, go ahead and throw. But it, it, it messes up the whole your whole routine, your, your throwing routine. Right. It gets kind of messed up. Just in one game, uh, the USA-Norway men's game, there were five technical timeouts. 
Uh, one for Torger Nurgard in the first end, Matt Hamilton in the third and the fifth, and John Schuster in the third and the fourth. So that is a lot of disruption. And that was just one game. That was just one curling mm-hmm. game, five technicals. That's the only game I've kept track of the whole game where I watched for it every single time. I have no idea if there are games with more or less. I, I just don't know. Um, but it's, it's certainly a, a factor. I've had the odd one over all the years that I played with electronic handles. I maybe had two or three in my all my years. Emma, how regular is it that the handles have trouble? I don't see it very often. Yeah, and I think the rules in Canada, you don't know. I think they must have told them if you don't see the rock light up and you throw anyways, the rock will get pulled. Because I know that a lot of the time, if the handle is like malfunctioning or something, I would still, I turn mine over. I wouldn't really notice if they would blink and I would throw anyways. And then if normally they would flash red, if there's a battery issue and then you would notify the ice makers and they would come out and fix the rock handle. So I feel like they're just, they're very strict at the world level. And they must've told them that if you throw, when the lights don't come on, uh, if you turn your handle over and put it down and the lights don't come on and you throw anyways, the rock will be considered a hog line violation. Um, so I think it's just very strict in this situation. I haven't had that many situations where the rock handles were. I had a faulty rock that said I had a hog line violation at the Scotties, I think two years ago when I was letting go before the hog line. So I was able to rethrow in that situation because they we were the TV game and they replayed it. But had we not been, it would have just been pulled as a hog line violation. So there are, it, it's tough because we you don't want a person there saying, whether you held the rock over the hog line or not, because some people hold their hands in place somewhat over the handle, even though they've let go. And to someone standing at the hog line, it could look like you've let go over the hog line. But if technology isn't working, then is that better? That's always what we say. If the technology is not helping, then it's just a distraction at that point. And I agree with you, creature of habit, and you come down and you want to go through your routine before you throw your rock and all of a sudden, you're about to set up and your the light's not coming on. Then you have an official marching out to the hog line to, to watch whether you let go of the rock or not. It's just all very distracting. Oh, yeah, Emma. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that we want the Magoo factor back at the hog line again. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, those go, that's, <laughs> no. that gives me, you, you sent chills running up and down my spine uh, from, from my past when all of a sudden, yeah, you got the, you got the guy with the one inch thick glasses on the hog line watching the, to give you an, to give you a violation. Yeah, no, no, we don't need that again. But, but the, with the electronic handles, they usually work great. They usually do, but I just don't know what's going on here. Kind of like though, with the stones, they brought in new stones um, for the four person event here at the Olympics, which is fine. I don't think you should be using the same stones for the mixed doubles and four-person curling because the people that do both would have a huge advantage Mm -hmm. having played with the stones already for an entire event. So I agree with that. But with the new stones, they actually came in new handles. So the handles hadn't been tested uh, prior to the Olympics as far as I know. So that is taking a risk. Not only playing with rocks that hadn't been tested, but that's risky, not not having tested them. The mixed double stones were tested. They were used at the world, I think, no, Emma, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were used at the world wheelchair championships. 
but the ones used in the four-person curling were not tested. They were supposed to be tested in an event that got cancelled. So once again, you know, COVID got in the way a little bit, which is not unusual these days. But then the handles also were not tested prior to, which again is kind of scary because you just don't know what you're getting. And obviously this set of handles is, uh, that has a mind of its own. If, the, if technically the rock isn't working and you throw it and you get a hog line viol- violation, yikes, I don't like that. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's the rule. I just, I know that I've never seen so many people, if the lights don't come on sometimes at the Scotties or something, I don't think the players are notifying the official to come stand at the hog line. And so I think that it must have been in the rules that you have to notify the official. I don't know what the consequence would be. I was just speculating, but... Right. I would just assume based off of all of the people, all the players who are coming out and saying technical and the official comes out and stands there, that if they throw without the lights going on, there must be some sort of punishment. Uh, Kev, why, why do they use different rocks uh, for the four-person curling than they do for mixed doubles? They switch them up. How come? So for mixed doubles, just for everybody knows, so the mixed doubles was used with a certain set of rocks, but you've got, you had five athletes that played in both the mixed doubles and the men's or the women's. Um, the only female I think that's playing in both is Jennifer Dodds from Great Britain, but there are four guys as well. And so you can imagine, Jim, if you're using the same rocks for both events, it would be a huge advantage for, for say, let's just pick Bruce Mowat. He's, he played in both. Well, a skip with that kind of touch to be able to get to throw all the different rocks in the building before the four-person game started even, what an advantage. You'd know all the rocks like crazy. But... In this case, they switch rocks after the mixed doubles. They bring in a new complete set for the next event. So that's really smart. I think that's, that is an excellent idea. Um, and it turns out they're running really nice. Um, the per- percentages say that. We've got, we've got people playing 100%, for goodness sakes, in this uh, right. four-person event. So, so great. It's a good idea. I hope they continue that because it's, it's, it's smart. Because as we go forward, more and more people are going to play in both events, I think. And, uh, and that's just fine with me, but it's good to have different sets of stones. Emma, what, uh, first of all, what is matching rocks? We hear a lot about it, teams matching stones at the start of the competition. What is it and what do you guys do? Yeah, it's important, especially the start of the event uh, before your first game to be able to know that the rocks that order you're starting with, and especially the rock that the rocks you're sk- throwing are matched to each other. If uh, the skip has a rock that's just a little bit slower a little bit fast it can cost you the game so getting a good idea of what the rocks are doing at pre-event practice at least somewhat close and knowing you don't have any slow rocks or a cutter or a rock that's straight that it's all just very important information you only have so much time in your pre-event practice so i think most teams will match their first couple games knowing that they're not going to get evening practice before those games to match again. And then there also is evening practice where you could go out and match for future games usually. So I think, well, every team does it a little bit differently, but you also want to learn the ice. <laughs> so there's a bit of a balance. You want to throw some shots and see what runbacks are doing and see what maybe wide, uh, wide hits are doing, how to make a nose hit across the board. There's a lot of important things you need to learn when you're at pre-event practice, but most teams will focus on at least getting a good match on their first one to three games uh good stuff uh we're gonna take a little break when we come back we got to get your picks uh kev uh and you need to sharpen up okay you need to sharpen up and uh, emma we'll get your predictions stick around we'll be right back
Uh, welcome back, everybody. Emma Miskew is sitting in today because uh, um, Warren has uh, been sleeping for the last uh, 25 hours. He's been getting up, Kevin <laughs> and Emma. He's been getting up for 10 days in a row now. He's been getting up at 4 a.m. to watch these games and give us his updates. So, okay, Emma, time to put you to work. Uh, let's go to you first. We'll jump to the women's draw number six. There's four games there. Uh, the first one's Denver, Great Britain. We want your pick. I'm going to have to go with Great Britain for this one after watching how they played in the last draw. I think that they're getting on a roll. Okay, Great Britain. Uh, U.S. and Sweden. That, yeah, that could go either way. I'm going to still, I'm going to pick Sweden on this one. I think that uh, they just lost a tough one to China and they're going to have a really good bounce back. Very good. Uh, speaking of China, they're playing Korea. I think I'm going to pick Korea here. I haven't seen a whole lot of either of them um, so far. I've been watching a lot of the Canada games, but I think Korea is starting to also get on a roll. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going with you, uh, Emma. Okay. This is, those are the teams I'm going to bet on. There's one other <laughs> game. Okay. Uh, Switzerland's playing us, playing Canada. That, that is going to be a really good game. I'm going to have to go with Canada here. I think they're also going to have a, a good bounce back after uh, the Sweden game. And um, you can't ever count out Jennifer Jones. She's, she, she knows how to win these big games. And I, I think they're going to win this one. Right on. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so your picks are Great Britain, Sweden, Korea, and Canada. Uh, Kev, a couple of mince draws. Uh, let's go with draw number six, Norway, Sweden. I like Sweden in that one. Sweden, I don't know if they've missed a shot yet. Like they just, they've been amazing. So I got to pick Sweden. China, Great Britain. Great Britain in that one, Bruce Mowat. And then us against USA. I've got to go with Canada on that one. I think that uh, Brad Gushu is going to be a little grumpy, and he'll be tough to beat. Uh, so, yeah, go with Canada. Kev. We don't want to lose listeners, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Italy and the Russian Olympic Committee. Yeah, I've got to go with the ROC on that way. Sergei Glukov, his game has picked up. He started out in the high 70s, low 80s, and he's really picked up his game lately, so I've got to go with them. Uh, the other men's draw, uh, there's three games, Great Britain against Denmark. I think I know where you're going to go here. Uh, yeah, Great Britain again in that one. Uh, Switzerland and Italy. Switzerland is coming on as well. They started this tournament out a little bit sloppy, but uh, boy, their game has come around. Got to take Switzerland in that one. Okay, and the final is China-USA. And that is going to be a really, really good game. I expect that that game to go right down to last rock. I am going to pick USA, but it wouldn't surprise me if China were to win that game. China's really stepping up their game too, but I'm going to go with the USA in that one, draw seven. Okay, uh, there you go. There's the uh, wrap on what happened uh, yesterday and what's coming up. Thank you very much for your, your picks. Again, Emma, I'm going with your picks, okay? I, I only got a few bucks left but I'm, uh, I'm going to go with those. Cool Bet is a proud sponsor of curling and, frankly, all things ice-related. The logo is a polar bear. If you love sports, make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the Cool Bet community. So if you're so inclined, as I am, whip over there to the Cool Bet website and lay down a bet. A reminder, uh, we'd love to hear from you, insightcurling at gmail.com, and join our Facebook group if you haven't already, and check out the Facebook page. Uh, thanks a lot to Rod Paulson for handling all of that. Who better to ask your questions than a couple of Hall of Famers in Warren Hansen and Kevin Martin, the bear and the lizard wizard. <laughs> Hansen's going to be pissed at us, Kevin, for doing that. But anyway, <laughs> thanks very much. Emma, thank you very much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Congratulations on a, on a great career. And uh, we look forward to watching you, of course, down the road. You're nowhere near done curling, are you? 
Oh, I'm not done yet. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate it. Kevin, you go back to doing what you're doing. And we'll talk to everyone tomorrow. You've been listening to a special episode of Inside Curling. This has been Daily Draw. Thanks, Emma. Thanks a lot, Emma. Thanks, Jimmy. 